I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. What's up, everybody? It's Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. As always, I am with my two friends, my two co-hosts, my two confidants, Matt Welty. Here we are. And my man, Brendan Dunn. How are we doing? I feel okay. Yeah, we feel all right. It's a little rainy outside, but we're not letting that get us down. I didn't get a full night of sleep. I was uh, up late writing a way too long article about some Reebok sneakers that are coming out this week, which hopefully will be out by the time I'm, I'm, I'm saying this now, but you know, okay. And we you, love I'm the sure, work and I'm sure you got paid on the side to write the article. Absolutely as well. not. No. A- okay. Absolutely not. I'm fulfilling my contractual obligations and that's it. Don't even start okay. that kind of slander, Joe. Okay. I just, okay. I wasn't sure if it was a, uh, what, what was the response like from uh, Reebok? After our last week's no, podcast. we're not we're not doing the what weekly happened? Reebok segment. We're not what? doing it. No, but did did uh did word travel fast? Did this platform make it to the powers that be? Or I believe so. Okay, all right, but you're still you still have the deal. This isn't about me. Okay, all right. He doesn't want to go into it, Welty. Yeah. As we're recording this podcast, it's a very special week. You know why? The week is finally here. From a product standpoint, what week is here? Are we talking about the Off White Jordan Force? Oh. Union Union Jordan for C. <laughs> See, he was up I told a you I was late. tired. I told you I was tired. Keep it in there. Okay. You know, even I'll Mark Madsen missed a few shots. Yeah. I'll let you see, see my flaws. It's all right, but uh Union Jordan four week. Did you put in for the raffle? As always, Wilty came to the Slack, dropping the raffle link, dropping, I did. dropping the info right at the perfect time from his cook group. But I, I don't know if he got in. I, I, I'm sure I, I just couldn't. took a huge L on those shoes. I, I got a raffle entry. Joe, are you worried about raffles or do you totally have these things secured? Bag secured. <laughs> secured. It's secured. I'm not going to. And I'm not, I'm not trying to flex, but, you know. Yeah, you have a few. No, it's been a long, like, Tumultuous a long journey. journey with these. And a long road. Like I told you guys yesterday and. Our other editors, I still see those shoes and they still look great. I saw, I think it was Oneness. They did the little, what'd they do, a, a guitar amp? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your, boy, your, boy, your boy Joe, was it, I yeah. don't know if it was Joe out there with the ripped jeans. I like it. Good creative direction. I see those shoes and I still love them. So Union Jordan 4s this week. I hope a lot of people um, get a chance to get them. And yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a couple weeks, a couple months. I have a lot of problems getting through my phone. I don't know why. Um, it's when you like do the verify and then enter. It's always just on like the dot dot dot. You don't I know what you. a traffic light looks like. I th- I do know what a traffic light looks like, and I do know that undefeated store is located on La Brea. But um, I had a hard time getting through. I actually realized 
I, uh, this is actually a funny tidbit. Um, the other day when we were, I forget what sneaker release or what Supreme release we were talking about where I was like, Hey, the website crashed. Remember that Brendan? And I was like, and you're like, the website didn't crash for me. Yeah. Um, I forget what it was. Uh, I'm a Leon door new balances. That's probably what. No, it was. no, no. It was Supreme. It was Supreme. Oh, okay. Oh, we were trying to get box logos. Yeah, I, I swift. We were trying to get box logos, and you know what I realized? I, it, I realized so I can't get through on my phone because and I can't even access Supreme's website on my phone because I believe that it's a it's a almost um, it a rollover from. There was a time period, and I don't know if we discussed it on here, but the complex webs the complex from the old office, the website was blocked by Supreme because they got pissed about the documentary that Complex did. There was a while where everyone had to go through their phones because you couldn't go through Complex.com because the whole office was banned, IP banned, which is a really crazy story. That but you Complex, think it translated to your phone? I can't access Supreme's website on my phone even in off hours. I don't know if it works like that. We're going we're gonna to straighten you out with James Jebbia. They're moving thousands of box logos. You think they're worried about your Marlo Stanfield burner phone? I mean, they uh, they uh, they they block complex. That's 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 proven. That's yeah, they proven got pissed. Truth. They got pissed at a few things we did before the Supreme doc. We did, I think, fifty facts you didn't know about Supreme. That yeah. was actually Noah Johnson wrote it, for, who's currently yeah. at GQ, well researched. And I didn't. I think they didn't like that one as well. Were but, the facts was was stuff in the list wrong or? I think I want to say that there was something that they had maybe, I don't know if it was leaked, but it was like they had announced that a certain store was going to be opening before it, before it opened up. Um, and I think that that was an issue. We'll get you straight with James. But that's kind of yeah, crazy, just text, right? Don, just text him. I know that you text everyone. So just I'm sure <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past you that you, you have him on speed dial. So Absolutely not. I have no juice there. Although, I actually, no, you know what? I did run into one of the young gentlemen who works at the store on Bowery this weekend. It, 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 it felt so good to be outside, seeing people in the city. I had random friends pulling up on me on city bikes. I saw... Yeah, Christopher Mintz Plus from Superbad eating on the corner. Okay, on my first complex cover. Christopher Mintz Plus and Tracy Morgan. That was my you first complex cover. Yeah. Him and I have his. Have I ever told the story about partying with him and Jonah Hill in the club in Madrid in 2007? No, but you're going to now. Should Wait, I? We might have to save yes. that for another yes. day. Oh. We might have to save that for another day. I, I, you know, I wanted to say I wanted to say what's up to him and and relive that moment, but he was in the middle of a meal, and I know what it is as a famous guy when people walk up to you and you're just trying to do your thing. So, um, Christopher Mintz Plus, if you're if you're listening, which I hope you are, we will connect on that again some other day in the future. It feels great to be out. Go ahead, wealthy, but I just. Please give me 15 seconds. Uh, New York. I know where you're going. For the cause, for the cause, I saw you out in the streets. Was it Saturday yes. or Sunday? Saturday. This is more important. This is way more important. Please. You have the floor. I just want to use the platform just for 15 seconds. I don't want to go too far, but I just feel like I should say something. Um, on Saturday and Sunday in L.A., there was huge marches and protests for Armenians and what's going on at Artsakh. If you don't know, just Google it. I'm not going to sit here and explain it. Just Google Artsakh. You'll, you'll find out what's going on. Um, but we went out in New York. There was like three thousand people. Shut oh, down man. the Brook. Shut down the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, so Did you have your, your mask on? I had a mask on. Okay. Everyone okay. had masks on. Joe, Joe's just checking. Um, it was just really inspiring. That's all. Um, to be out there with that many people fighting for a cause. So, if you're there, you can go to armeniafund.org. Maybe help out. That's all. I just, I just want to put the word out there. Let less for a cause, but also. Uh, 
and listen, you know, I know you're very passionate about that. I'm happy that um, following your tweets and, and reading up on it, obviously less serious event. Um, but I was out in New York City Saturday night. We I went to Carbone. I was back at Carbone for. for so did you have a first time? I did. Well, I you know you don't. You were have spilling to have, carbonara on the N15. You don't have to have the mask on, but um, Something's called when N15? you're fifteen. I don't know. No, M35. That's I'm not jacket. sure, but it, I think it's N N N90 something. Yeah. Well, anyway, but but I say all that to say when you're out, like done to your point and, and wealthy to your point, obviously very different situations. But when you're out, you kind of like it feels so good to be out, even if it's an hour or two of normalcy because mm-hmm. we've kind of been cooped up. But uh, yeah, so it was good to be out Saturday night and just um, what'd you order? It's N95, by the way. Okay, N95. You know what I ordered? I ordered, we got the uh, buffalo mozzarella and the prosciutto. We got the uh, clams three ways. We got This the is meal. you and Ronnie? Was Teddy there? I saw Teddy on the street. No, it's Saturday. funny, but but someone said, is Ronnie joining you tonight? And I said, no, I'm just, I was just with two friends from home. And they like sent out plates and they're like, courtesy of Ronnie. Man. Yeah, so he had, he, you know, he's doing his thing. He got BMWs, and if you want, you want some special off the menu plates from Carbone, Ronnie. Uh, off the uh, menu, we we got BMWs. Yo, look, he got the BMW. <laughs> the toy. I, did, I did not get the BMW. Damn, toy. damn, I got it. I I got it. I'm keeping. I was it waiting stock, for though. it after I saw Brendan post it. I thought I was gonna get hooked up, and uh, it didn't happen. Andy Oliver, please please straighten this out. Um, I was out, actually it was out in Soho, I think for the first time, um, since all of the, all of the pandemic and, uh, with the mask on, with the mask on, went out, went out with my uh, man Coco and we went to, uh, La, La Esquina, is that the place? I'm, man, yeah. I was right across the street at Zuba eating Lubna. I'm surprised I didn't see wow. you, man. You should have oh, told wow. me. Oh, wow. You're, you're eating, you're eating our food and then vice versa. Um, well not vice versa, but anyways, um, Yeah. No, it was just uh, surprising to see like how, like the energy in Soho just in general, you know? There's a lot more people downtown right now. A lot more shopping going on. By the way, speaking of shopping, the most important shopping moment of the year is also upon us. I know you're Do you guys at. know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're getting October at. October 20th? Yes. Do you know? Seven days. Seven days from when it? we're recording this. The Complex Sneaker of the Year book. Oh, got you. Yes, and you. Got, I got an early copy because there was a photo, there was a video shoot, and I was like, "Someone bring it to." We were shooting sneaker shopping the next day. I said, "Could someone bring it to set?" And it looks great. I How does it appla- smell? That new book smell, Joe. Smells How does it smell? great. Looks great. I want to applaud you guys. I did one chapter. You guys worked very, very hard on this book, and you guys get a ton of the credit. So many people worked so hard on the book. And I even felt a little weird posting it because I did one chapter and I got it early, but I want to say it on this podcast to everyone who worked on the book. Props to you guys. You got I'm super excited about it. And I will say my DMs were exploding. People are very excited about this book. And I think you guys, the audience, are going to really like it. So very, very happy about how it came out. It's already on my coffee table. It looks great. It's also on Target. It's also on Amazon.com. We need people yes. to buy that. Because, listen, if, if this thing hits the New York Times bestseller list, and I can yes. put that in my CV, you guys you are not going to hear from me again. I tell guys, you what. If it gets on the, can you imagine <laughs> if it gets on the New York Times bestseller list? That, But uh, the response has been great. The book looks great. I think we've seen a lot of sneaker books, and we own a lot of sneaker books. And this is this is different. And This is the best one. 
props to everyone who who worked really hard on it. You know, Carissa Sanchez, Gina Carisa, Battle. G- go ahead, keep David keep Cabrera, Lucas Weisenthal. Lucas Name Weisenthal, them all. Ben Felderstein Jared has a Flores, chapter in there. Riley Jones, Mike Stefano, John Gotti. Keep so going. Give a special shout out to Gerald who. Gerald Flores, keep who, going. Yes, Justin Tejada has Justin Ta- Tejada has a chapter in there. Damian Marlon Calby was in Drew those Hamill. meetings. Drew Hamill, Donnie Quack. Oh, he wrote a sidebar, right? Donnie, Donnie wrote a sidebar Quack. on on uh, on uh, the Estoc Carter. Of course, of course. And listen, let's just say at all because I don't remember every single name that was in every single cross functional sync, but I do respect all of you. Yes, and our our team, of course, for like design and everything like that we uh thank Ryan, you guys Wyeth, Bitna. Yes. you know thank what's you funny guys. about all of it is that kind of th- looking back in the process and everything that went into it and you were asking people if they wanted to be part of it early on and it kind of seemed almost like a tedious task to have to do this and maybe it wouldn't have seemed like it was like oh maybe i can get it done but then when you go through everything and you look at it you know in and at the end game and you're like I'm a published author. I have awesome. like my name Possibly is in, New York Times bestselling. And my name is in the book. It seems like everyone who pitched in it all the time was definitely worth it, you know? Definitely. And I haven't wrote something in years. It was like this is the first thing I wrote in years. And uh, I did a chapter. And Welty, to your point, and again, I know I keep harping on it, but I remember walking into the office and like people looking stressed. And I was like, well, hey, what's going on? And they're like, this book. So you, you guys, the, he, he yeah. had the carbo leftovers yeah, sitting no. at his desk. Like, <laughs> I, I had the carbonara. What's like, everyone up look, to on this Wednesday? For, look what's for lunch, and and everyone's stressed, and it was like you know we're we're on deadline with this book. So again, props to all the people who Taylor, were involved Camp in this. Taylor, Zach the Basic. Yes, and and I think you guys, the the listeners of this podcast, are going to enjoy it. Definitely pre-order it. Amazon. Buy that. Buy a couple Target. copies. And we're gonna do some stuff. We're gonna we're gonna have some stuff to build around it. The the three of us on this podcast. So it's funny too because I you know looking back on my own kind of like sneaker involvement or development growing up, there as much as like not that I don't think the book's important, but sometimes you're like we just need to get this done, and it's hard to see outside of the bigger picture of it just because it's just so much work, you know. But there were a lot of moments when I first got into sneakers heavy where I had books like, you know, Bobito's, where'd you get yeah. those? And, you know, all those like organi- organized lists that like Gary Warnett wrote, um, you know, uh, all of that. And you're like, wow, a lot of kids growing up are going to buy this book and learn about sneakers maybe for the first time as well. So I think that that's a really important sort of resource Definitely. for them to have. Definitely. Brandon Richard, I I, I don't want to. Joe, we we gotta we gotta shout out some more names. Mark Echo on the cover. I just I'm gonna feel so bad. Mark Echo on the cover. Yes, that we did not mention. Rich Antonello, Damian Scott, Gerald Flores, Marlon Calby, Taylor Corsick, David Cabrera, Matt Welty. That's you guys. Okay, Lucas. Shout out to Abrams. Uh, I Dave, didn't hear my name in there, but uh, okay. Brendan Dunn. I said you guys are in it. Uh, Brendan Dunn, of course. Charles Johnson. This one's for you. Okay. Adam Caporell has a chapter. Ooh, Adam oh, Caporell. What what chapter does he Adam have? Adam Caporell has a long ass fucking chapter that I read over so many times. Every time, every single time that thing came through in the edit, I was like, I have to read this fucking chapter again. Which brings me to another point. If you spot a typo in this thing, do not tell me because oh, I will God. take my own life. I will. <laughs> my I will. God, dude. It's, yeah. Hey, pal. If you think I'm not going to be a part of this book, you got another thing coming. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Duell. Steve Duell. Shouts to I, Steve yeah. Duell. I think I I think I proposed that Caporell be in the be in the book because he it was the converse weapon, and I was like, <laughs> who better to write about 
Magic Johnson and Larry Bird than than Adam Caparel. Guys, I'm looking through it. This isn't even to sell. This looks this looks really good. Woo! If you see it, if you see it, so very exciting. Oh, you opened right to your chapter. What? Uh, how convenient! I said Riley Jones already, right? <laughs> yes, you We're did say Riley Jones. Right Shout now. This is Riley like the skit Jones. at the end of the album where they're just naming every single person. Exactly. Shout out to Riley Jones for the book. Shout out to Riley Jones for the purple New Balance nine nine two. Shout out to Riley Jones for everything. Yes, he put you on, man. Those look crispy. And then one other package, you know, since my co-host in the green here always what? talks about packages being lost or stalking the UPS <laughs> guy. One package has finally showed up for the audience. Stop oh adding this God. guy. It has finally showed up oh with, my the, with God. an apology letter. The Benjamin Kicks. Handwritten? <laughs> yes. Handwritten by his Hand- younger brother. Yes. No, it wasn't his younger brother. There was this, this guy, I think his name is Matthias. Whoever is Matthias in the Benjamin Kicks operation gets Should have had shit, him work on a book. Gets shit done because he said, listen, I know you've been having issues. I'm not. There's, he said. I think he this said. There's, saga. there's, there's no. Saga. There's no cap. There's no cap it's over here, so and we're also going to give you an extra thing on top. And they sent a pair of off-white Jordan fours. Thank you, Benjamin Kicks and Nike SB Avengers, the blue and pinstripe ones that my co-host Matt Welty. He, you know, he texts me. Oh, on. that's no. He no. He no. He texts text me. Oh, that's a, that's a real <laughs> hidden gem. That's a real hidden gem. Matt Welty said. So so when you when you impress Matt Welty. <laughs> It goes, it goes far. But yes, the Benjamin package, anything the Benjamin in there for me? package, the Benjamin kicks package has landed. Nothing for you, and yeah, so a lot of exciting things going on. The handwritten note was amazing. Damn, Do you want to read the note, or is that is it is it is it deeply personal? No, it's not personal. I think you know this is just good business. Let me pull it up. This is history. Quick funny story um, that uh, I think we should go over right before we get into the episode. I think will be nice and short. Um, Joe on the set of the sneaker shopping episode that's going to come out this Monday, following Monday. Yep. I'm not gonna not gonna spoil who it it's is. It's a good one though, don't you? think? No, no, no. It is good. I'm not. I'm not gonna cool. spoil who it is. It's good. I don't know who it is. You, uh, I don't think you do. But go can, ahead. I, can I can I spoil one little thing? Not a spoiler. Sure. Go. So you hit us up because you were really nervous about the sneakers that you were wearing. Yes. During the shoot. Did you um, like the fit? Well, I did like the fit, but the thing was, is that just, it's, it's the sneakers you're wearing, so it's not a huge spoiler. You're wearing the Guava yes. Union 4s, which you like, but as yes. people know, Joe never really wears white mm-hmm. sneakers, mm-hmm. even though they're lightly pink. I heard that you were having a meltdown <sighs> on the set via Dave Matthews about going on rough. camera wearing somewhat white sneakers. Guys, I can't get past it. I can't get past it. And my director, Jose, even Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews, who has a keen eye for style, as you all know, was like, look. <laughs> Complex like- intern producer, Dave Matthews. By the way, I need to, real quick, all the props to Dave Matthews for not chiming in on the Zoom chat. I know this is killing him. It's but still early. Such restraint. Such but restraint. You, but did you get over your fear of wearing the shoes, Joe? I'm going to tell you, it's tough, guys. And I immediately, well, it's just, it, it just, they just, the white sneakers feel weird. I don't know what it is. They and look, then the I, fit looks fine. I'll thank tell you, you that. I, I appreciate it. But also, I had the Fragment Trainer ones that I wore, and yeah. I switched I switched them, and I was like, I'm just going to wear these. It's just immediate how much more comfortable I am in dark sneakers. But, yes, Union 4's, the white, the guava on, on, uh, on foot for Monday's episode, which I really enjoy. Some really good storytelling. 
And well, uh, I hope I I hope I get to figure out who it is it's, at some point. You get it. And then here's the Benjamin Kicks note, just as an Please. aside before we get into the it's guest. Important. The sign off is amazing. What's up, Joe? We are very sorry for the delay. We also added something extra for the inconvenience. Thank you for everything. Enjoy from Booming Team. So business still booming. <laughs> I thought it was you gotta, a you gotta, show, note. you gotta you gotta show the handwriting to guess the age of the person who sent it to you. I thought it was a Listen, personal note. It was personal. It came from his consigliere. All right, guys, let's get to today's guest. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Our guest on today's podcast has had a long career as a journalist within sneaker culture. He cut his teeth working at Soul Collector Magazine, where he had a seven-year tenure and held positions of both editor-in-chief and creative director. During that time, he interviewed everyone from Kobe Bryant and LeBron James to Ken Griffey Jr. and Bo Jackson and got the stories behind their iconic signature sneakers. Besides his editorial work, he also got the chance to help design a plethora of collaborations with Nike to Jordan Brand and Reebok. Post Soul Collector, he went on to be the creative director of NiceKicks.com, where he covered athlete endorsement deals more closely, something that would set him up for his latest stop, ESPN. At the worldwide leader of sports, he is an NBA feature writer covering and breaking new athlete sneaker deals. He has become the network's go-to voice when it comes to making sense of everything sneakers and has also co-host ESPN Plus's show, Sneaker Center. Today, he joins the Complex Sneakers podcast to wrap up the NBA season, talk 2020 sneaker free agents, and his long history with the two campuses in Portland. Please welcome Nick DePaula. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem, Glad man. to have you on here, Nick. Absolutely. Great time to have you on. Nick, I want to set the stage here. Obviously, you've been in sneaker media for a long time, and you're at ESPN now, but I want to take it all the way back to Sacramento, 10th and P, and all that, studying East Bay okay, magazines. Yeah. Can you tell us about your, your childhood as a sneaker obsessive? Yeah, it's easy. So uh, I grew up I grew up a Kings fan. That was the only sports team, of course, in SAC. Uh, my favorite color is purple. I got a ton of Kings stuff behind me, as you can see. And um, I actually had a $40 budget in middle school and elementary and 50 in high school. Um, okay. So That's I didn't every have year? per, yeah, per school year um, on, on each shoe. Like I couldn't go above that for a shoe. Um, so I did, I think I did twice growing up. I got a pair of thrill flights for 58 bucks at JCPenney. Amazing. 
Nice. I had to chip in. I had to chip in the eighteen bucks, and that was the takedown to Jason Kidd's Zoom Flight ninety five, which was always my favorite shoe. And that was the first shoe where I was like, who designed that and how did it come to be created? And that's what just like sparked that interest. And I was 10. Um, And then from there, it just went from there. I I always wanted to write for Slam. I went to school at the University of Oregon to be in the journalism program. And uh, the fall of my freshman year was actually the very fall when Soul Collector launched. And so I was able to get in touch with Steve and Alex back in the day and kind of worked my way into getting good, good with those guys and pitched an article for issue 10. And that was my first story. How big of a of a of a moment was that for you? You know, I, I also went to the University of Oregon. It took me a little bit longer to get into the game, but just that it seems like you figured it out very quickly how to turn it into a profession writing about sneakers after being obsessed with it as a kid. Well, I think everybody that plays basketball has that moment where they realize, you know, they're gonna be the number one pick and go to college and all that, and then you're like fifteen and realize that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> and so luckily Luckily, luckily, it came early enough that I was able to like really, really transition and focus. And so at that time, too, was when Nike Talk was coming up, uh, Soul Mm -hmm. Factor message boards. So I was just around the clock on the message boards, just reading whatever I could, soaking up whatever I could. And there were a lot of people from the brands up there, too. Um, And so University of Oregon, you know, I I drive slow, so I say it's a two hour drive to Beaverton. Mm -hmm. But I was finding (laughs) out I found out that everybody's email at Nike was their first name dot last name at Nike dot com. So I was emailing people all the time, like, would love to grab lunch, let me know a window that works for you. I would skip whatever I had going on. Would they hit you back? I would say probably like maybe 15, 20% of the time. But, um, you know, I had a guy named Matt Gregg, who I owe a lot to, who was the head of uh, Nike Basketball Product Testing. And he let me test some stuff when I was in college. So that was actually my starting point, like knowing people on campus. And then, you know, I think the biggest thing for me back then was, it wasn't like, hey, I'm this young kid that wants to get a job at Nike, like give me a job. It was just more of a conversation. I was still 20 at that time. And it was like me helping them with insights, hopefully, about the industry since I was like literally sleeping on the concrete in Seattle and not getting altitude 13s at the time. Like there was a lot of <laughs> stuff going on. There was a lot of stuff going on in that space at that time that, um, you know, hopefully I could I could give them some insight to as well. And, and it just kind of developed a relationship. Back then, there wasn't many places to write about sneakers. Is that fair to say compared to what it is now? So that was the biggest thing was the first place I wrote was just Nike Talk, I would say. Like I started mm-hmm. all these like threads um, where I would do like a state of each. Billy Hoyle. Yeah, I would do like a state of each brand. So I had like the state of and one and I would talk about like who their current players were, what they were doing, what their technology was and get feedback from people on the forum. And so like guys and one saw that they invited me up to the office like that was actually the first brand that probably hit me versus me pestering them probably but um but i would do that for all the other brands and that's kind of what got alex's attention and steve's attention at soul collector and kind of and kind of built that bridge too and what would you say was the biggest difference because there was nike talk forum and there was iss forum person me personally i only like nike talk i know it's like sacrilegious with the the company but it was kind of weird because i remember on nike talk like you couldn't curse which i thought was nice because it kept things a little more like conversational in iss <laughs> that's funny coming from you, you wanted civil yeah. conversation i was, I was gonna funny, say funny what coming a... from you at this point but okay i uh the wholesome the wholesome internet presence that you have you know? yeah um, uh, <laughs> yeah but uh but then iss was like the wild west where like kids were just going oh it was nuts and I remember the first time I got dinner with Steve, I actually kind of had to like figure out ahead of time how to break it to him that I like Nike talk more than the ISS forums, but like in a nice way. And I think that was kind of the thing too, was um, Nike talk was more of a, I don't want to say a stoop, but it was like more of the old school. Like you had Russ, you had like a lot of people mm-hmm. who were like personalities at that time already 
writing for Slam, writing for other places that were really engaged. Uh, you know, you had like Wale and Dom Kennedy, a lot of guys that ended up blowing up that were just on there every day. Uh, the thing with ISS, I would say, was, you know, Steve just being how sharp he was at that time. Like, he was probably more known for having the, the buy-sell forum. And there was right. some stuff with the print magazine they were doing in terms of meetups. So it was like more of a community in that sense. But I think they were just kind of different different eras, too. Like, the ISS forum was probably younger. Mm-hmm. Even though I was like 20, I was like thinking of myself as like this un- older sneakerhead. And so I think people on Nike Talk kind of looked at that as like more of their era. Uh, ISS was like the up-and-coming kids. Was Retro Kid Alex Wang already a big name at that time? You mentioned him and you mentioned Steve Mulholland, co-founder of ISS. Like, was it, was it a big moment for you to meet Alex? So Alex, I tease him to this day. Like, I mean, obviously he changed my life with with a couple just meetings that we had. So he actually, um, so my my senior year of high school was 03. And at that time, it was Jordan's last season with the Wizards. And the Jordan brand had this 18-wheeler called the Love Truck that they would have go from all the West Coast road trips from city to city. And it would, like, park at a mall in front of the, in front of the uh, you know, whatever the big mall was for that city on the off day. Mm-hmm. And so Alex's shoes, his whole collection was actually what they used for the display in the truck. And he went to a bunch of the stops. So I met him uh, the spring of 03 when the Love Truck had its Sacramento stop because he's from the Bay. Okay. And that's kind of what started that relationship. And then um, just whenever he was up in Portland, I, like I was saying, I would skip whatever I had going on to drive up to Portland, get get lunch with those guys. I think I drove up once. We got lunch at Burger King and that was it. Um, but it was, you know, it was just a matter of like getting in front of them. And uh, I think it was, yeah, issue 10. So they had a section called Focus Shop, which was a profile of a boutique. Uh, mm-hmm. Focus Collector, was, which was just whoever had a lot of Jordans at the time. And then I picked this section called Focus Artist. And uh, there was a kid from Arkansas living at his mom's house that I featured, and it was Justin Taylor. Mm. And uh, and and one saw the article, hired him on the spot. A year to the day, he got hired at Jordan Brand. He's been doing CP and Mellows ever since. Wow. And uh, that article kind of started it for both of us, and we've become best friends ever since. So it was it was kind of a crazy path, but but Alex really was the for sure the driver of that, and and Steve kind of you know gave his blessing on it on it being an idea and roll with it. How important did you think that the Soul Collector magazine, like the physical print, was for sneaker culture? Because I remember like working at Foot Locker and Foot Action back in the day, and you would go in and like the one I remember in my head, I think was the Jordan, was the Jordan, oh, the one with the holes on the side of it, um, just like that. So was that like was the, Jordan twenty. Yeah, that was Jordan two thousand ten. So that was issue thirty yeah. three, I think. Um, yeah, I just remember I mean, that for, that's sitting there like in. The front, the front desk of like foot action when you went in, it was like that's what sneaker culture was at the time, you know. Mm. So a when I gave my grandma an issue, I think she finally figured I had a real job because before then she probably wasn't sure what it meant to be writing about <laughs> shoes. And I think even today it's probably still confusing. But but for us it was always like you know living in Portland. I was I'm basically 15 minutes from Adidas, 20 from Nike. Um, but having a tangible magazine you can put on somebody's desk when you're asking for an interview or trying to get somebody for the cover. That was always such a just such a huge game changer for us at that time. Uh, so we were able to get a lot of exclusives. I think the way media worked back then was was much more like Wild Wild West, you know, as you guys know too. Um, but it was it was amazing because we were, I think, at our peak. We were in uh, like almost 200 footlockers, boutiques around the world. I remember going on a family trip and we were in Berlin and um, I think it was Soulbox or somewhere out there that had it in, in the store. And I was like, I'm 22 at that point going crazy, you know, so... Uh, it was such a cool thing, and and um, I mean, obviously, the print world has kind of come and gone, and and that's you know it had its run, but 
uh, in that moment, it was it was amazing, and it was great for us. Just all the access we were getting, and and that led to a lot of collabs and, and other bigger projects. You mentioned exclusives in terms of stories, but you also had access, like you said, to a lot of exclusive sneakers. Do you remember the first pair you had where you felt, oh, I'm in the industry now. This is something special. Nobody else has this. Was that at the University of Oregon, or was that afterward when you moved to Portland? That's a good question. So um, I wear tested the Kobe once. Wow. wow. I was in college. And so, you know, Kobe signed with, you know, with Nike from Adidas. Obviously, that was a mm-hmm. big deal. And um, there was just the white, black and red colorway. But it was like maybe eight to ten months before they came out. Did People you know what they of, were? Did they have like a code name? Of course. Or they told you very. Yeah. Uh, it was called like Nike Uptempo, something like super generic on the box label. But then it had his logo on the tongue and it like, you know, it was clearly his shoe. Uh, and I think his logo was on the Hirachi 2K5s the year before that. So it was kind of mm-hmm. already established that that was going to be his thing. Um, and then, you know, obviously they looked like a signature shoe. They just had that, that level of detail. But, um, you know, it was it was crazy back then because there weren't camera phones. So you'd be at the rec center at Oregon, you know, just chucking up threes and having crazy passes. But you had on these Kobe's that had come out for a year. Uh, so I think I had I had those. And then I tested the the very first Max Pierce which never even mm-hmm. came out in men's sizes. That was a cool one too. Um, and that, and then I tested the Kobe twos also, which is one of my favorite ones. Um, but for me, I think the, when I first got my, my pair of zoom flight 95s after not getting them as a kid, like mm. that was the, that was the coolest thing ever. Um, I remember mm. I got my debit card once I realized I could link it up to eBay and that just kind of like started the storm from there. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, just going back to Soul Collector, the the catalog stands up so much. I remember when we had Eminem on sneaker shopping. I think that in the interview that he did in 2009 when he was on the cover, he mentions Easy e as him really falling in love with Jordans after seeing an album cover or a single cover that Easy e was on, and that was from the Soul Collector interview. And there's like so much catalog and so much history if you go back into those pages. Yeah, I still go back. I mean, we just had the as old as we all probably felt, we just had the 30th anniversary of Fresh Prince a couple of Fridays ago. Right. And um, so I was reading, uh, we did a Jazzy Jeff interview for the 90s issue, which I think was issue 19. Like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good about remembering all the different numbers and who was in mm-hmm. it. And I, I still, I have them all in my basement still stacked up. So um, I, I still go back and check them out. And, and I think the one thing that we always tried to do that was cool was, you know, if you were able to get your hands on the SB issue nowadays, or even like some of those Jordan issues, like it was like an encyclopedia of models for people that maybe weren't familiar with everything. Um, there was just so many colorways on some of these pages. I think it was issue 34. We called it the ultimate issue. It had like five categories of Nike, just every model there. So um, at that point, you know, you didn't have online archives necessarily. It was it was cool to kind of serve that purpose. It was so special too, I think, for you being in Portland, like you said, being so close to Nike and Adidas. I feel like at that moment, Soul Collector had so much access. You know, uh, one of our friends and coworkers, Zach DeBasic, has told me stories where you guys could just go to campus and leave with boxes, and, and nobody cared because they knew you were there to do work. Like, how, what was that like? Yeah, that shit all changed after 2012, I think, when their whole uh, Keep It Tech program rolled out. But <laughs> but before that, it was open season. So we had, I'll never forget, I think it was, it would have been the spring of 09. Um, you know, LeBron got announced MVP that morning. They were going to do the trophy presentation at the home game for the playoffs that night. And at like 1 p.m., somebody at Nike was like, yo, drive over, grab the LeBron 6 MVP if you can, shoot him and post that tip off. And it was like stuff wow. like that. Like we would just drop whatever we had, drive 20 minutes you know, head on home. And then sometimes we have to return them with like a three hour window even, but 
Um, you know, I have a whole lighting setup. I'd go to campus. We'd find a random ass like side conference room, shoot them in the room like guerrilla style and mm. then run out, you know. So um, we had some cool LeBron stuff. We had uh, some foams that Spike Lee was wearing, the Knicks foams that like nobody knew about. And he was showing up courtside, but then we would have the photos, too. Um, so this was it was before Nike had Nike News and their own kind of media platform, obviously. So we were always trying to just see what we'd get our hands on and, and shoot it in a fun way. So th- this after, you know, you shooting all the exclusive stuff, you got the opportunity to make Soul Collector collaborations, which ended up being some of the most coveted shoes of all time. We were kind of like looking at it before and we we're like, you've done more Nike collaborations than a lot of big names and brands, which is kind of crazy to to think about, I guess, in the grand scheme, like. Me and Joe were talking about like PJ bought, you know, a pair of the of the Soul Collector dunks, I believe, on sneaker shopping just for like mm-hmm. thousands of dollars. Is, how did those come yeah. about and how crazy is it for you to see like the legacy of the stuff that you worked on? Yeah, so I mean a lot of the credit definitely goes to Steve and Alex early on, because they had the whole roadmap for the Nike Town events. So we had about, I think, I want to say ten or so shoes through those events first. Um, and a lot of them are models on Nike ID that they would just spin off into these kind of uh, friends and family releases of like only a couple hundred pairs. Mm-hmm. The crazy thing at that time was this was pre pre camera phones, you know. So every single city for those events, nobody like we never had a shoe that leaked. Mm-hmm. So people would be camping out for like three to four days and not even know the shoe they were in line to wait for. Um, so that whole dynamic was crazy. Um, I think the cowboy dunks, you know, from the New York event. Yeah. Uh, the the Vegas finals dunks, like those are definitely, especially with dunks coming back now. Like yeah. I think probably the most coveted. Uh, the Seattle Air Max 95 was mm-hmm. cool as well. Um, obviously, with me, I've always been a hoop guy. So once Steve kind of, and I, I got to give a lot of credit to Steve because he kind of just gave me the cosign and let me run with stuff. So when Alex left and I kind of got got more control, he was like, hey, if you want to start running collabs, like, go for it. So I was like, all right. So we did uh, the Flight Club, which is behind me. Um, uncoincidentally, our fifth anniversary colors for the website shifted to purple, which was a very biased choice. Uh, so we did the so we did the flight clubs, which was basically a hyperflight tribute. You know that was Jason Williams' shoe growing up. So that was when I was in uh, high school, and those came out. Uh, so that was a shoe we had to kind of give a odd to a nod to with the flight club, take a tribute from it. But um, but yeah, we did like the the uh, Air Max three sixty uh, trainers with the strap on it. Um, I think I have those joints back here somewhere. Yeah, that was so that was like so that was the thing was me and Zach, uh, who you mentioned, like he and I once Steve kind of led us and passed the torch. Uh, then Zach and I would just get busy after all the collabs and it just became this fun team project. And then, uh, you know, Zach Schlemmer and Brandon Williams and Luis Sanchez, you know, we kind of always made it a team effort. So whether it was like some of the Revises we did later on, uh, the Zoom, uh, the Zoom glove, which was the green Seattle colorway, like it was just everybody around the office throwing in ideas. And I'm pretty proud of how they all came out. You know, a lot of them, I think to this day, um, not as not as timeless maybe and wearable as like some of the fragment more clean stuff, but they have a lot of graphics, a lot of fun, a lot of details. You guys did that the penny. Sh- uh, I, 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 can't, guys- I can't believe I didn't mention the penny pack. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, because that's I feel like that's one of your, your your biggest things too, right? Yeah, I mean if I if I if I stopped doing what I do in two thousand eight after going to Penny's house for our first interview with him, then I would have been as satisfied as possible with this whole run. You know, it was mm. it was the coolest thing. We were at his place for like four or five hours and. Um, you know, Penny's just become a great, like, I would say friend of the program between Soul Collector and even now at ESPN. Um, you know, he was on the cover of the fifth anniversary issue, which was issue 25. And so uh, Mark Dolce at the time was with Nike and Marcus Smith as, as well. And Gentry was there and they let us do a pair of Penny 2s as a fifth anniversary shoe. Uh, so that was like a almost like an Air Max 95 colorway, two tones mm-hmm. of gray with the neon. 
Uh, that might be the first shoe PJ wore where I was just like losing it. So I, I know who I know who has which pairs and how many sizes are made. So for nice. him to get one of the 14s, I was like, all right, man, you're really up to something now. But um, <laughs> but uh, that kind of the I guess the excitement around that penny two, you know, they were working on the Zoom rookie at that time, and we kind of you know Steve every once in a while would throw out these crazy ideas that was like a hail mary. So he was like, we should do an event in Las Vegas, have Penny Hardaway there, and you should let us do a five-shoe pack that comes in a... <laughs> How is Steve convincing people to do this? That's what's always incredible to me about the history of Soul Collector. You know, I don't know Steve Mulholland. I've heard so much about him from, you know, people you mentioned like Brennan or Zach or Zach DeBasic, Zach Schlemmer. But the fact that he was able to achieve this stuff, Nike would let you guys do a phone pause at one or rework the Jordan 11, things like that. How is that possible? So it was never us going into a meeting that was like a calendar invite, like we have a pitch for you. We like we knew everybody there, like and we still do to this day. Like they were just our friends at that point. Um, and so it was I think that's the biggest thing with Steve is he's just a great connector, uh, great personality. He's a fun, loose guy. Like I always joke, he had a pair of cargo pants, a pair of cargo shorts and a pair of jeans. And then he had like a Mountain Dew logo shirt and like some other like cartoon shirt. Like he was never like he was You're older not talking at about that Steve point. Jacinetta he was like, here, right? Because that sounds like a Steve Jacket. Well, that, no, <laughs> yeah, but I, but he was, but you know, he was like Steve was probably in his you know mid to late thirties at that point. But like we were all like we were all still in the game as much as you could be, and it was never like us in suits. It was never this kind of like corporate setting. So everything was loose. So we wouldn't do a lot of meetings on campus. You know, there's Portland's a great city for restaurant, great city for bars. Um, so we would always catch guys off campus, things like that. And um, I remember that Penny meeting. I'm. I'm sitting here and he just like kept going. Like I was thinking he was going to stop with like the Penny event. He was like, we should have Wale perform. Like he just like it kept going and going. Wow. And it like pretty much almost all happened. Um, you know, we had Gentry on stage, like unveiling the galaxy foams, which was probably not, I think, part of the plan. But, you know, it was like we had so <laughs> many Nike things that were. That? Yeah, I think he got a little slap on the wrist. But at the end of the day, you know, it was <laughs> it was tons of energy. Like we had we had a guy from France that flew out there. We had a guy from China that like waited for two weeks in, in Vegas for the event, thinking that like there was going to be an early lineup window he was going to miss. So it was just like a great moment in time. And um, and Penny, I would say, was really pivotal to that, too, because because he was really on board to kind of let us you know, have a lot of fun with his line, knowing we were really showing it love and doing it right. Talking from a design aspect, obviously a bunch of us have got to experience and interview Tinker Hatfield, but mostly for me, it's been like on press trips. You were really front and center with him and working with him. Any stories that stand out from like a design aspect with him? I'm sure you have a ton, but what's it like being in close quarters with him? So so this was another project that Steve kind of shot for the heavens on, which was um, we did a full iPad issue, which... The iPad magazine was kind of short-lived as well, but that was a fun thing to do. <laughs> Although, uh, this was a great Steve meeting. He's like, we should do an iPad issue monthly. You you want to do it? I'm like, you're not going to write any of it. So oh what do you mean? And he just <laughs> all, of a, all of a sudden, I had to do this monthly iPad oh issue, which was God. then translated to a monthly China print magazine that I had to like edit without knowing anything about uh, Chinese. So that was awesome. But that was like Steve's big ideas. But then it was just like, you know, you go do it. Um, and that was an awesome one because... I think it was our third. So we started the iPad magazine with two things in the bank. We had issue three was going to be this like comprehensive uh, Nike mag look. And Tinker gave us full access to like this secret warehouse they had, which is Warehouse J, which was a nod to Michael J. Fox. Uh, they had all 1500 mags like stashed in there at once before they went on auction. Wow. So if you look at some of the photos from back then, 
it's just like this basically rows of mags and I had to light up each one individually, which took like an hour and a half, but it was just like this crazy, crazy setting. And, um, and Tinker just like, it was the most access I've ever had. It was obviously the original back to the future story of him actually designing the shoe originally. Um, also with Tink Tiffany beers and kind of just like the remaking of the new one. Um, they gave us a whole hard drive that had all their trips to Asia, to the factories, all the footage of like samples. There was like an all white sample, some other colorways. Um, and I mean, of all the stuff we've done, Pennywise, Jordan wise, whatever. I mean, that, that issue itself was probably the most comprehensive thing we've ever done on one shoe, one design. Um, and I always say with Tinker, like Avar is funny because Avar has designed some of my favorite shoes, whether it's foams, pennies, you know, Jason mm -hmm. Kidd stuff. Um, and I was interviewing him once about the Penny 2, and he was like, which one is that? That's the one with the the wing, right? And, like, his memory sometimes is not <laughs> as, from the 90s stuff, as sharp. And Tinker can take you back to, like, the exact meeting. Mm -hmm. He knows every detail, uh, all the different inspirations that drive a lot of his shoes. So um, I always say he's, he's the most innovative designer. He's the most groundbreaking. He's also the best storyteller. Um, and for our world and what we do, it's like you can't have a better, you know, better interview than that. Uh, makes our job pretty easy. Didn't didn't you get to do a Rashid Wallace Air Force One? Am I am I correct on that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so kind of off the strength of this is you know, a the, the one, or is this just a Nick? No, just, no. This just, was like a this was like a three p.m. on a Wednesday. I happened to be on campus and I saw something on the screen. I was like, you should do this, this, and this, uh, <laughs> which what which would happen often. So. Um, you know, we had we had a great relationship with Sportswear at that time, of course. You know, Gentry and Dolce were there, like I mentioned. And, um, you know, I think the thing for us with Collabs was this was before, like, the all red October, all crazy color era of stuff. Like, a lot of the Collabs we did were, like, big and bold. And the, the team shoe at that time was coming out in, like, basic colors. And mm -hmm. so one of the ones they were doing was, um, you know, everybody kind of knew it might be his last year with the Knicks uh, when Rashid was on the Knicks. And they were working up some Air Force P's for him. And I just, I was like, man, he, they were trying to put like something on the side of the strap, like where the closure is. And I just remember saying like, just flip it over and put the wording on the back. Like just put Roscoe on the back. Cause I was like, that's how he wears them. Like that's how people are going to see him, you know? And that kind of became something that, um, whether it was ball, don't lie, Roscoe, other stuff, like they've kind of used that real estate. And I, I think that's partly what I always tried to do with collapse was like find the elements of the shoe where you could add some more detail and some more kind of nuances that are probably for a, you know, small crowd of people that catch it but if you catch it then you kind of know and it's a great nod how much of that stuff didn't come out like i know at index pdx for example there's a crazy pair of jordan 11s they had one time there was a jordan 11 low with like a carbon fiber wrap around it and i think Nick oh, Engel, man. another former soul collector employee was like we that was a soul collector collab is there is there crazy soul collector stuff that you or zach or brennan have worked on that the world has never seen all right you're gonna this is this will be your soundbite this is gonna be a frustrating <laughs> story so this Let's is go. this is this is the shoe. So Tinker sketched the carbon fiber on the heel. Wow. And the whole patent leather rand was going to extend up. And uh, we did like, a, so obviously the Comfort 11, which was everybody's favorite model over the course of the years, um, yeah. didn't really hit hit like the Jordan <laughs> 11 would. But but I think that's the thing with collab sometimes is that, you know, you want to. You want to you want to have somebody that's an energy partner that could uplift a series. So we kind of launched the Comfort series with them with that Comfort Eleven, but uh, it started out. It was supposed to be Jordan Eleven, um, and so the date is let's see, May fifth, two thousand ten. The event was uh, it's crazy. It's coming up on the tenth year. The event was ten twenty three ten. So that was the other thing. We did a lot of these projects on probably not the optimal timeline for Nike's sake, but. Um, 
you know, we had we had basically a Jordan 11 collab that was going to have carbon fiber and a fully molded heel counter of carbon fiber. Um, the carbon fiber box that only 23 pairs got, all of them were supposed to come Crazy. in that box. Like, you know, it was still us shooting for the stars. Um, I think I had this whole, I think it was called Concept 6 because the uh, the actual element of carbon is 6. And there's like this cool like 6 rings element. And then it ties back to obviously Michael having 6 rings. And there was this kind okay. of whole like carbon backstory. Um, you know, Tinker had some pretty innovative stuff, you know, putting carbon in that shoe. And that's obviously something that's been a, a key piece of high performance basketball ever since. So uh, we had a whole story built out to it. Uh, I remember Mark Smith, we had a meeting with him and he had the white and red comfort 11s on the samples and he like kicks them off and puts them on the table. He's like, I think we want to shift from what our current project is. How about you guys oh, take no. a stab at this model instead? Oh, and I no. like, <laughs> you thought you were going to get a Jordan 11 collab. You were that close. There's, there's, there's little, there's a sample of it out there. I think, I think the former product director has it. And then I think index did get at some point, one of the other samples, but uh, the, I'll never forget the look on Steve's face. Like, you know, and, and Mark Smith's a great friend of, of ours at that point. And of we course. knew it was still going to be a fun event. And, and Tinker was at the event, and it was amazing. But uh, it, ain't, it ain't no Jordan 11. <laughs> One other – we just had this conversation about Index Portland recently about crazy samples ending up at that store. What other crazy samples do you have that you could let the audience know? I know oh, that man, you have got, some in the stash. I got some LeBron 6s that are not the LeBron 6s over there. Okay. Um, I've, got, I've got quite a few things. I mean, whether it's like – foams that never came out i mean that's the thing nowadays they don't necessarily run just the amount of samples they used to i would say throughout the 2000s um i went to gentry's house once and it was probably 200 pairs of shoes i'd never seen in my life you know just like colors that never came out pe's that never happened like you know players that they make pe's for that they don't end up pitching that he would just kind of stash uh, I think that's probably the most common one is there's stuff that you plan ahead for. You don't sign the guy or or a guy leaves and you already had stuff made, too. Do you have a lot of the Oregon stuff? I know I know we share that in common. I, I'm not too rich in those player exclusives. I've told the stories plenty of times before. But where were you on that? So I was never a big like I would never like pay a ton of money for some P.E.s just to say it's a P.E. Um, for me, I'm a size 13, 14. So if, if it's my size and I could wear it, then that's always fun. Um, I try to collect a lot of University of Oregon stuff just because obviously I went there and that's become kind of like a, a collection of sorts, uh, all the stuff right. I have. But uh, but I try to get stuff that's always in my size. Um, and I'm not like... I feel like you have some of the Oregon Jordans, right? Yeah, I've got I've got a lot of the Oregon stuff for sure. Um, I don't have some of the recent ones like the sixes, but, you know, the threes, the fours, um, all the, Le- you know, LeBrons, the Hyperdunks, Hirachis. I got a lot of that stuff for sure. Any easy samples? No, I, I actually... <laughs> I told I told Wex I haven't worn any since the red hat situation, so that's a different okay. conversation. But I respect it. But um, but you know I, I I still I still have a pair of the black Yeezy twos um, okay. just because that was such a cool moment in time. Um, and I and I I drove up to Seattle to watch on theaters like his first Adidas show, which like some of the stuff they were doing at that time was so different and cool. So uh, it's it was a great run for sure. So you and you and PJ are the same size though, right? Thirteen, fourteen. So he he wears thirteens and fourteens casually, and then he plays in fourteens. Do you? Um, you said you're thirteen or fourteen. Do you ever like? Yeah. Does he, ever, does he hit you up for some of the rare stuff? I always tease him. Like, I, so most of all my stuff's thirteens. Okay. So if it was fourteens, I could have maybe got some stuff off off to, out to Houston, shipped out, you know. But um, but a lot of the stuff is is uh, is not his size to actually play in because he will only play in a fourteen. 
Um, there was one shoe, I don't think he would mind me putting this out there, that he wore in, when he was out in Portland, which was the, the Oregon LeBron 2, that was mine. Um, but he just wore them in warm-ups, and they were a 13 and a half, so they were a little snug. I don't know, that, that shoe runs kind of tight. Um, so we've got a couple stuff we've, we've traded and whatnot, but um, but it's funny because like something I think is super rare, I'll go to him and be like, yo, you do have these? He's like, yeah, I have two. You know, it's like <laughs> stuff like that. So you're just like, it's like, all right, like, you're not, you know, you're not really going to impress him or catch him too much. And that kind of brings us to now current day. You know, we've established your history and, and I know that you've covered PJ very closely now that he has become such fodder for like uh, mainstream sports publications that are angling to get into sneaker culture. What's it like to build with someone like that and see how, you know, for us, it's always like, oh, another PJ story, but people catching on to it and seeing a serious collector like that. What's it been like to work closely with him? I mean, the biggest thing for me that sticks out is like, he's not just doing this for attention. Like right. there's so many random models that he know. like he's, he's in the top, like literally one percentile of people I've ever talked to about shoes. And obviously I've talked to everybody that's ever been a collector, uh, you know, at a, at a high level, there's a lot of people that I would put in that tier and he's right there. Um, you know, he has that original Nike top kind of like expertise and knowledge that a lot of people have always tried to have. And, and I think with that comes a passion for it. So so I think he's, you know, sometimes I think people wonder about that. And I've obviously met players that, that have access to stuff, but don't necessarily know the history behind it. Um, and I think that was my first biggest thing was like, he right away impressed me with all that. Uh, the, the other thing too is like, he's been wearing crazy stuff for his whole time in the NBA. But mm-hmm. but once the color rules, once the color rules changed two seasons ago, I think that just kind of took things to a different tier in terms of like, now you have all these kind of bigger, you know, Instagram accounts following stuff night to night, like what he wears on a Tuesday night in Minnesota is actually going to be, you know, attention grabbing. Um, and that kind of put everybody's radar up night to night uh, to a whole nother tier too. I think it's important to mention though, that you and Soul Collector were covering this stuff way before everybody else, you know, be rich, Zach, again, Brandon Williams, like you guys were on the PJ Tucker thing before the rest of the world. Yeah. And Definitely. you had, you know, you, you had PJ, you had Nate Robinson and Derek Williams, who were kind of the three yeah. guys, the early, early 2000s that, you know, I've been to Nate's house. I know Derek as well. Like those guys were all like extremely into it. Um, and now it's kind of become something that across the league guys are into and you have your arena entry fits obviously to get off and, and it's just become such a fun thing for everybody to get their hands on. I think I, one moment I, not that I didn't know that you had the access, but you actually scooped me on one of my own interviews when I interviewed PJ and like <laughs> he had mentioned something about like, you know, whether he would sign like a deal with a Chinese sneaker brand and kind of lose the notoriety of being like the, the sneaker guy in the NBA. And I had posted that and then you tweeted out, you're like, actually, it was with the it was with a Chinese sneaker brand and the deal was with between this much amount of money and this much amount of money. And I'm oh, like, yeah. damn it. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was something that um, you know, for, for PJ being up on his sneaker deal, that was something last fall that a lot of people had their radar up on. You know, he had New Balance and, and every brand pretty much at the table. Um, and for him, you know, the other element is he's on the Rockets. This was of course pre pre-tweet. Um and of that of that scenario with China, but I, you know every brand at that point, you know, still is always trying to sign guys on the Rockets just because of the connection to Yao. Um, so for PJ, he had a couple brands that were extremely aggressive at that time, and you know I, I think it would have been tough for him to do that because the thing with the Chinese brand is they're going to give you a signature shoe, and that's something he always jokes. He's like, I don't actually want a signature shoe. He's like, I love having variety and wearing everybody else's shoes. Uh, and that's a key piece for him. So actually having a signature shoe, most players, you know, like Aaron Gordon has a great deal with 361 and having his own shoe is an awesome thing. 
But for PJ, that wasn't necessarily a big, uh, you know, big deal maker. So for him, that wasn't something that made sense. How do you feel about his e- his current eBay deal? It seems like it gives him a lot of freedom. And I think, uh, you know, P- PJ and I have had conversations. You talk back to like when people were coming after him for deals, but it seems like, you know, he has a long leash in terms of what he could wear. So what's your kind of input on that deal? Yeah, I think that deal and, and same thing with Kyle Kuzma with Goat. Like mm-hmm. I kind of call those addit- additive deals. So they still have their shoe deal that they're making a bunch off of. Um, but this is a deal that's going to help them with access to even more rare stuff. Um, the reality is, you know, I think PJ had said in the interview he spent like two hundred grand one year, uh, mm-hmm. two seasons ago buying shoes. So if you can have a partnership with eBay and, and catch a lot of that stuff, you know, comps or whatever, I don't know the exact terms of their deal, but I assume he's getting some free stuff sent out to Houston, you know. So so that's a, that's a great benefit to it. Um, and I think the thing with eBay, too, is they just announced they're going to start doing authentications similar right. to StockX and everybody else. And, you know, so I think he started with eBay this summer officially, but, you know, where they take their approach to sneakers, I think that's going to be a big piece in terms of how they utilize PJ as well. For sure. I don't want to make this the PJ Tucker sneaker talk hour, <laughs> but I got to ask this because I know people are going to be upset about it. But what is your response? And I don't really have a take on this because I don't know enough about basketball to comment. But people always want to talk about why are we talking about PJ Tucker? Because they say that his game is not good enough to justify the sneakers. Again, I have no comment on that because yeah, I would never comment on someone's basketball skill. What do you say to that, Nick? Well, well, usually it's guys on their couch that can't make a left-handed layup, but you know, my thing with PJ is... I cannot, for the record. His, yeah, I, <laughs> I wasn't saying for you, personally. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'll throw a couple stats at you. So, A, everything he's achieved has been incredible from the standpoint of, you know, he, he played overseas for several years in a lot of, you know, what people might not know as, as top-tier leagues, things like that. So, for him to make a, make a name for himself in the NBA, have the career he's had, like, A, that's already a success. Uh, B, I think the last three seasons, he's led the league in corner three makes. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's that's what he brings. And if you if you actually watch a game, like, you never question if he's actually going to bring it that night. Like, some nights he might have a crazy pregame outfit and people are on, on, you know, league fits saying, like, wow, he's really doing all that. But once the game is tipping, like, he's going to be hawking guys all game. Uh, to me, he's one of the most versatile defenders. You know, he's he's I'm 6'3". He's a little taller than me. I think he's listed at 6'5". Are you comparing yourself to PJ Tucker right now? No, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I don't Are even you, know if he's. Nick, I, come on, I'm saying, I'm saying height wise, I don't even yeah. know if he's really six five. You know what I'm saying? And he's guarding centers. He usually, a lot of times, he draws the toughest assignments on defense. I wouldn't even say draws. I would say he requests and is proud to guard those guys. See? You know, I think that's the piece that that if you're if you're really tuned into the game, you know, there's and we've saw it with Jimmy Butler this run too, like. There's guys that people don't understand, like what it means to be a competitor as yep. just a casual watcher. And if you really are plugged into the game, there's nobody that doesn't respect how PJ plays. Um, and I, you know, when people are on Twitter asking about that stuff, like that's, that's not like I don't even engage with it because I'm like that's not even. What I definitely don't because people yeah. tag me in those conversations. I'm like I'm not the guy. What yeah. per, what percentage of the NBA players who you know try to flex the shoes in the tunnel would you say from knowing them are actual like real deal sneakerheads? Uh it's tough because there's there's guys with other brands that are very knowledgeable about everything going on too, and and you might not even notice that you know because they have a different endorsement deal at this point, but. Um, you know, like Jordan Clarkson's a fun one. You know, he's always wearing cool stuff. He knows a lot of the history behind that as well. Uh, Stanley Johnson's a huge sneaker guy. I mean, there's a lot of guys just throughout the league that I think this era in particular, um, it's, it's again, makes us probably feel old. But, like, I always joke, like, the McFly, Hyperdunk, LeBron 7, Kobe 4, like, that was the starting point for a lot of current players in terms of the sneaker game. 
You know, like some guys, it even starts with like Nike Yeezys and Galaxy Foams and that whole era. So, you know, guys are really like, they just grew up being as plugged in as you could be and they grew up with sneaker blogs. So for a lot of the guys that are somewhat into it, they have a lot of a lot of knowledge and a, and a deep a deep base on stuff. You know, Nick, you just put together a great piece for the undefeated, the, the 2020 all bubble sneaker teams and someone who's not on this list, correct me if I'm wrong, a big free agent, though, for next season, someone who really impressed everyone in the bubble with his play and who is signed to Jordan brand, Jimmy Butler. What is your thoughts on where that may go? You know, I know that you're super insidery and um, I know that you're not going to give the Complex yeah, yeah. Sneakers podcast your, your scoop, but <laughs> how do you feel? You know, we've seen even in the past few days, as soon as the season ended, we've seen where's Jimmy Butler going to sign? What do you think is next for him? Yeah, so that's a great point. So, um, and Jimmy's a unique situation because he actually had a Jordan deal that was going to expire October 1st, you know, just actually last week, coincidentally, but but he got out of it early in January and was originally going to try to strike a deal basically for the spring playoff run, um, which which coronavirus quite honestly kind of halted and, and kind of made difficult to land something at that time. So, you know, you've got Puma, New Balance, uh, leading potentially as well, um, and Under Armour in the mix. And I think each one has a really unique um, kind of entry point or possible partnership point. You know, Li Ning, of course, he's on the heat. They have D-Wade with a lifetime, um, you know, chief brand officer role there. Jimmy and D-Wade are really close from their Marquette days as well. Um, and for Jimmy's sake, you know, that could be a great opportunity to to look at what D-Wade did. I think D-Wade was 29 or 30 when he signed with Li Ning. Um, there's 11 D-Wade stores in China, let alone 10,000 Li Ning stores, you know, so the volume he's able to have over there, the other deals you're able to possibly get uh, in China because of the platform you're on. Uh, Marketing-wise, you know, there's a ton for Jimmy that could make a lot of sense with Li Ning. Uh, Puma could be interesting, I think, because they've obviously shown a, a love to do kind of just crazy and just mm-hmm. kind of out there marketing. And obviously Jimmy's like has no problem pushing the needle and, and pushing people's buttons, you know, and he's, he's – what were you going to say, Welty? Can we can we just like this is the number I, I, one Puma hater here? No, yeah, I'm not. He I'm not. I'm not, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not a Puma, I'm not a Puma hater. I just think that when we talk about Puma, it's it's not a brand Puma. that a lot of people have a strong like affinity towards. Um, you that, know, that's why I think it works because you got your Nike and Adidas loyalists, and somebody that buys a pair of Pumas obviously probably has a pair of Jordans and other stuff. But they might be open minded to buy a pair of Pumas if a favorite player is wearing it, or if they have something they you know, that catches their attention. I think the thing they're doing well is, you know, they're not just necessarily running the same playbook of everybody else, you know, just launching a signature shoe with somebody and, you know, having, having the same kind of stuff roll out. I think the way they had the J. Cole shoe roll out, yeah. uh, obviously it was outlandish for J. Cole to think he could make the NBA at 35, but but that was a great rollout that got a lot of people's attention and, and that shoe has done really well for them. So uh, I, I like where they're at and I think they have a lot of potential. I just think that you rank like New Balance above... Puma, as far as like if we're talking like serious sneaker brands in basketball, yeah. I mean, I th- I'm not a big like totem pole person. I think mm-hmm. everybody has a place, and and I actually would say like this is the most exciting time for sneakers since like the mid '90s when you had Fila with Grant Hill, Adidas with Kobe and T Mac, and and you kind of are getting more balanced than maybe what you had at the start of the 2010s, uh, where it was pretty much just Nike and Jordan. Uh, I love when people have signature guys and top guys at other brands. Um, and when you have more than five, that makes it fun. So, um, you know, what New Balance does with Kawhi, uh, Darius Basley is a fun, fun young kid. And then I know, Joe, you were getting to it with Puma as well. Yeah, uh, potentially, potentially adding LaMelo. We'll see. You know, um, I think that, you know. May- what do you mean potentially? Is that on out yet? 
Well, I mean, yeah, everything's not finalized till it's signed. Okay. Like, I'm not a, like when I when I report something, is that shit's done. Like, I try to say it's like a, you know, this is done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I. Th- when does this podcast come out? Well, if, if it's you know, I think when the draft comes, I think something will be finalized. You know, in, in around the the draft window is probably when we'll hear something. But um, for hit for I think Joe, your question was alluding to the fact like, what do you think of Lamelo possibly going there? Yeah, I I, I think it could be great. Um, you know, I think for Lamelo potentially to Nick, stop beating around the bush. What do you mean it could be? <laughs> he could be the ink is the ink it, isn't dry yet. If it were to happen, um, <laughs> on, no, my Nick. biggest my biggest thing is that um, you know I think for Lamelo's sake, it's to his advantage to kind of break away from the brothers and to be kind of marketed and positioned on his own. Uh, the big baller brand thing was awesome. You know, he's eating cherries poolside with his own shoe at 16 with a Lamborghini. It was it yeah. was ridiculous and amazing some big at the time. Shoes, right? No, nah, you know what? I bought the I bought the sweat shorts. Okay. And, um, you know, I get packages all, you know, here and there or whatever. And my mailman, like, knocked on the door and he was like, I got to ask, did you get the, the LeVar ball shoes too? <laughs> and he thought, <laughs> he didn't even know who Lonzo was. He thought it was like LeVar's brand, you know? So that was obviously speaks to personally like, seating you. LeVar. No, no, I paid, they were 40 bucks. I paid for them. But, um, but I think for LaMelo at this point, you know, we saw Lonzo try the big baller effort. Um, you know, I interviewed Sonny Vaccaro, and he kind of joked. He was like, it's the worst handling of the best idea I've ever seen. You know, I think okay. there was a lot that they were – there was a lot that they were getting at from, like, a ownership versus endorsement standpoint that I really thought was strong. Just just didn't have the product to kind of to kind of match that maybe. But, uh, but for LaMelo now to start with an established brand that's not your typical Nike or Adidas, I think it gives him possibly a – a runway to kind of kind of carve his own path a little bit um, and have some fun with it. And, you know, obviously Puma had Vince in the back in the day, but they're, they're pretty much starting with a clean slate here. So uh, it could be exciting. And that kid's could a star be. on and off. <laughs> that kid is like, that kid is a star. You know, I had him on sneaker shopping and he said maybe three words and now he is really coming to his own. And like, for the, like, he's kind of like King of the youth right now. So they have a, they yeah, have a I mean, fresh start. When he when he was uh, when he was launching his big baller stuff, I think he had more Instagram followers than half of the current All Stars in the All Star game that year. Um, yeah. You know his personality, like somebody from Adidas called him the Justin Bieber of basketball at one point. Like he's just got this like teen. Is that a good thing? It could yeah. be. I mean, obviously, yeah, of course. Like yeah. he's got this teen, he's got this teen sensation vibe, and mm-hmm. and I think the thing that's gonna that's gonna probably be be more beneficial for him at, in the league is. Um, you know, Lonzo's Lonzo's got a really good like defensive kind of like facilitator game, but he's and he throws lobs, which you know I think he's going to become a, a very solid player. But Lamelo's game, man, he's he's highlights, man. He's all mm-hmm. exciting. Like his court vision's great. Like I, I think he has a lot of potential, almost like a Penny Hardaway style of game where he's tall for his position. He could see the floor. He could also score and finish around the rim. So I'm really high on him as a player. Uh, you know, obviously you're hoping he lands somewhere like a. You know, it depends. It remains to be seen what the Warriors do with that number two pick. But, you know, whether it's New York or maybe not Detroit, you know, you hope the market ends up being excited, too. But um, I think he's got are a ton you, are of potential. Are totally writing off Leangelo here? Are we, do we do, are we just not going to mention him? No, he's 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 currently with the OKC Blue uh, working his way through the G League. So so we'll see. We wish him luck. Funny, funny Leangelo story. I actually saw him play for UCLA. I, I don't know if he ever actually played a regular season game, but I am one of the few people to see him oh, I think, come in on. exhibition <laughs> Whoa, on okay. Venice Beach. So All right. Oh, that yeah. was the that was that was the event for the, the hover shoe. I remember that. Okay. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What's going on with Adidas basketball? It seems like they really are just kind of screwing the pooch 
Screw. Well, I'm gonna ask you what 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 leads to screwing the pooch, like in your in your estimation. Uh, I think I think it was said by our uh, co-host on Full Size Run, Trinidad James, that uh, they have all star players with not all star sneakers. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that you know, I think they've always kind of, and this this isn't necessarily a recent thing either, but I think Adidas always has tried to find what their visible tech or what their what their kind of technology is that goes up against, you know, the other techs that other brands have. And, you know, Boost was the amazing tech for for kicking around, but didn't necessarily translate to basketball because of the weight and, you know, it's a little mm-hmm. mushy. So I think they're trying to refine Boost, I would say, is, is probably something to look for. And then, um, you know, I think they're still finding their way with with Dame and, and James and, and Don as well. So, I mean, they've got like Trey Young, Porzingis. They've got some exciting guys. Jamal Murray um, had a great run, obviously, in the bubble. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean... I think they're definitely in the in the run to try to have some momentum. They actually have um, so they did bring over Ken Link, who used to be at Nike and Jordan. Of course, I don't know yeah. if you I don't yeah. know, I don't know if you guys knew that, but he's yep. he is the new he's he's the new design director at Adidas Basketball. So um, between them that and then in collaboration, yeah, you know, so he he came on I think last summer. So I don't know if his stuff might not be dropping for another. You know, you guys know how it works. Usually, it's a year and a half mm-hmm. to two years. Um, Sit on the bench. Yeah, so well, not 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 just the non compete, but just for the actual products to start coming out. Right. You know? So I think I think I would look for a reset of sorts in terms of product, and and maybe Welty, you'll you'll like some of those models when they come out. Who knows? Um, but, I, but I think <laughs> Hope so. you know, I think they 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 hear everybody. I think they're they're trying to rework some stuff as well and and uh, revamp some of their lines. One thing we got to talk about, of course, the NBA Bubble Life Twitter account. I remember yeah. hitting up our sports editor, uh, Chops, like, hey, you have to get this story. And I think you were – whoever it was, I know there was a few guys behind it, but like, yeah, we'll talk to you guys. And then we we're like, oh, we're getting this sick exclusive. And then all of a sudden New York Times runs the exclusive. But that Twitter account – was such a smart idea and i'm sure that were people sending you just people were just sending you content i'm sure players so we so we had let's see so players arrived on that wednesday in the bubble Mm -hmm. and then thursday i think was when the lakers arrived and so i i think i sent a text so i have a group chat basically with uh trevon edwards wells wells uh, phillips and then uh uh, Drew Ruiz and it's the, and then our buddy Nate Jones who's not really he, he's kind of in the chat but not really active on the account obviously but okay. um, I sent a text at like 10.06 just sent, telling Drew like yo this account would blow up if we launched it just NBA bubble life and I think J.R. Smith went on live like a half hour later and was was just clowning the food and uh, you know and he, he had just signed with the Lakers like literally that week <laughs> um, so he probably you know I think he was joking because they made him they made him shut it down but right. um, but we launched our first tweet like probably 50 minutes later. And then it just took off. Um, Drew and Trey were really instrumental early on to just kind of set the voice and drew, drew challenged JJ Reddick to like a shotgun beer challenge. And he did it. And it was just like a lot of stuff that happened. That was crazy. Uh, We had, I think I had like probably six or seven people that I had been in touch with to kind of get this media rollout Cause that was the biggest thing too. Like we didn't want anybody to know who was behind it for the first week. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lefko had a segment on TNT and like, didn't even know who it was. It was on the jump, coincidentally. Rachel put it on like two or three times, didn't know who was behind it. I'm just laughing the whole time. But, um, but yeah, that was something that it was great to see because it was such an unprecedented thing. Like Everybody was just curious, like, what the hell's going on in this bubble? Uh, and it was like the coolest summer camp of all time of, of all these guys in there. For sure. And, you know, the offseason is here. Before we go, what stories are you chasing? Or do you think it's going to be an active offseason when it comes to sneakers and basketball? And what do you think that we could expect? 
it's it's kind of uh, uncharted territory in a sense because you don't really know when the next season is going to start. I mean, we were joking about that last night with the bubble life account. It's like, what do we do now? You know, you don't yeah. know if there's going to be another bubble or not. Um, and I think sneaker wise, you know, we're seeing a lot of brands like shift their timelines. Um, you know, I think something that just as a person into sneakers and basketball that I'm excited for is like, I'm curious to see what comes with Space Jam 2. Um, you know, when that I'm drops, still trying I to think, get a, I'm still trying to get a cameo in there, Nick. <laughs> I think they stopped filming last summer, so you might be out of luck. But <laughs> they might be able to digitally insert me. I, I heard they had to go back and digitally change all LeBron's sneakers anyway, so I feel like they could put me in there. They got a lot of effects going on, so they might throw you in there. But uh, but yeah, I think I think just big picture wise, and then also the Olympics. You know, obviously it got pushed back a year, and that was gonna that was gonna be a big moment for stuff. But now that brands had another year to plan, um, I'm, I'm curious to see what they come up with for that too. So. You know, Jimmy, I would say, you know, you were kind of alluding to it, like sneaker mm-hmm. free agency wise, it's kind of a not as exciting of, as recent years. You know, there's no like Giannis or, mm-hmm. you know, big kind of game changing type signature guy necessarily. But uh, other than Jimmy at this point, but um, but that could be, you know, I would say a slower fall. But but this and it's just it's just tough, too, because some brands are trying to squeeze money and, and not spend. And, you know, the draft will be kind of slow as well. So um, it'll be an interesting fall. But um, once the next season kicks back off, which hopefully is somewhat in late January or February, um, then we'll see what, what rolls from there. Awesome, man. Anything else before we go? I think it was great, you know, your history and where you are now, but it's been a really good talk to catch up and and have your full history kind of laid out for the audience. So No, I mean, I, I always say, like, I owe everything to Soul Collector and that whole platform that, that Steve had built. And, and obviously, Complex has kind of, you know, ran with, I think since what, 2013 now. So it's, it's kind of like, I guess it's crazy to say it's been the first seven years and the second seven years that's, that it's been around now at this point. But, um, you know, just whether it was access to things or, or getting my hands on different stories, um, it was always such a fun platform and it's been exciting to see how it's still carried on all these years later. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you for coming, Nick. I I love to hear these stories, you know, and and like I said, colleagues and of different eras and friends of all of ours, people like Brennan, who helped out with the Zoom Revis or Zach, who you worked with on Jordans and Pennies and stuff. And all these names, Yulia, Steve Jackanetta, Luis, people that some of us know and some of us don't know who have been part of this Soul Collector thing for so long. So I just love hearing that history because we're part of it now. Yeah, we could do a whole pod on the untold stories of Soul Collector for sure. So we're going to do a documentary. Let us know There's when you're some free, crazy, man. Yeah. Steve and I had some crazy, crazy meetings, crazy trips for sure. So let me know. Awesome. You can't tease the crazy stories at the end of the thing, man. This is like Corgi talking about the Deftone dunks right at the end of the thing. <laughs> I mean, we had, oh, I got a good one. And actually, so we mentioned Ken Link earlier, but, um, yeah. you know, our very first. So I would say Steve was great at big ideas, but not great at uh, calendar awareness. I would say so. <laughs> so, so we had we had a big LA event on seven seven seven. He loved like dates that were like 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 sounded off or or kind of rounded off dates. So seven seven seven. He had this whole idea, and it was going to be the the first event since the Vegas event, and I think it was the last week of April that we went to Brands asking for a collab. So we're talking like three months advance notice. Mm-hmm. And everybody was laughing at us, like, whatever, you know, no chance. And we actually had an and one shoe and a Reebok shoe that they ended up pulling off. And we had a meeting with uh, Nike like a month later. And Kenzo just walks into the meeting out of nowhere unannounced. And he has a shoe behind his back. And he holds out. He's like, I got something for you guys. And it's the Soldier One with the Soul Collector logo on the strap. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I just ran these. He's like, we're going to be cutting it tight. He's like, we can get you 72 pairs for your event. And that'll be your collaboration shoe. 
He's and that was the first ever Soul Collector collab with the logo on the shoe. Um, you know, and the you ones before no that did. And we we didn't know, but we had we had asked like a month before, like any chance we could do a collab, and they were just like, ah, I don't know, we'll see. Um, and so Steve and I basically like with a group of like five people built that whole soul bar space in like a four day span. I think the event started at noon on Saturday and at like 1115, the FedEx truck showed up with all 72 pairs of those soldier ones and, uh, they, they sold right away and it was, yeah. And that was, I mean, that was the shoe LeBron, you know, had worn his first finals. Um, so to have that be our first shoe, I think Victor Sung, who does soul collector China, uh, there was a cool shoe cool picture of lebron with the soldier one with the camo soldier 10 um a couple years back so that was a fun one for sure and there was a lot of stuff like that where people would just move mountains to figure out how to make something happen or you know you have a jordan 11 that all of a sudden is not your shoe anymore so kind of goes both ways (laughs) awesome thanks again nick appreciate it and um you know we'll have to do a part two for sure someday soon let me know all right thanks fellas awesome thank Thank you. you nick appreciate it Our producer is Dave Matthews. Our associate producer is Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by William Smith. Special thanks to Jennifer Stewart and Shiva Bayet. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.